Good morning, Tom. Not watched your video yet because that has to be a video that I'm fully awake for and I can watch in one go. As is Ward is. Um, by the way, can I just say, by the way, oh my God, we sat Scott Brown. You're listening to that League One podcast. Now then, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of that League One podcast. We're delighted that you've joined us for the next hour or so, depending on how much comfy chat we can squeeze in, given the batch we've been able to score a few this weekend, uh, we there. might overrun a little bit. Yeah, there it is. Uh, it proved to be another fantastic game week in Starbet League One, with new leaders in the form of Exeter City. It was nice whilst it lasted, wasn't it, Wardy? <laughs> uh, we've got a jam-packed episode for you this week, as we saw the conclusion of the summer transfer window, with faulty batch machines in Bristol, preventing prolific frontman Johnson Clark Harris's return to the Mem. We're going to have a look at the window, as well as discuss the stacking of Fleetwood Town's gaffer Scott Brown after another defeat. Saw the Cod Army lose six games on the spin in all comps. Apologies, Ben. Uh, and of course, we'll be getting our teeth sunk into the weekend's full game week before the international break next week. So, without further ado, uh, we'll get the lads involved. We're going to start with Ben. Nappers, you've had a bit of a topsy-turvy weekend, but you're, you're here. How are you feeling, mate? Um, yeah, obviously, football's a bit, you know, up and down at the moment, unfortunately. Again, and again for the first half an hour, played well, 1-0 up, lost the game again. So, yeah, disappointed, but not surprised at, at this moment in time. And, and, you know, I am hopeful of, you know, results turning and obviously, uh, you know, manager sacking this morning, which I'm sure we'll get into um, later on, um, you know, in the video. I think, obviously, I'm more surprised that Porter scored a goal than Fleetwood have sacked the manager, actually. great. me. <laughs> God, order of service for the day. Jesus Christ. Uh, at least he's not throwing himself off a, off a ship or what, wishing he had sepsis this week. So that's a, <laughs> a positive start from Nappers. Wardy, uh, how are you, mate? Obviously, you had a tough weekend at the office yesterday, a, a defeat to Port Vale at home. You saw, you said everything that went wrong could have gone wrong. Uh, how are you, though, personally, mate? Yeah, on a, on a personal note, I'm. I'm brilliant, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. On a footballing note, yeah, not so much. Look, I, I made, I deserve it, don't I? Really, I do deserve it. I've made enough jokes over the past week about us being uh, top of the table after five games, and of course, it, you know, back down to earth, as I said in my roundup sort of a minute ago. But yeah, we we got Port Vale. We they did a number on us in in real Port Vale style, and fair play to them. They opened a trap, and we fell straight into it, as Port Vale will do. And I think. Nappers put a tweet out yesterday about Andy Crosby and about Port Vale. And I think in the last couple of weeks, they've been absolutely fantastic. So I'm not overly concerned. I'm not going to get overboard on it. I, I'm, it's a bump in the road. We, we had it against Cambridge. We had a lot of the ball, couldn't break down a low block. We've proven we can beat sides that are a little bit more expansive and going to try and come at us. We just need to improve. You know, at least we have identified the area that we need to improve on, break down a low block. And, you know, doing it with nine men isn't very easy whatsoever either. Yeah, never too high, never too low, I think is what Liam Manning exactly. tried to reiterate uh, down at Oxford. Um, and Tom, you must be purring after a, a pump you're able to finally score, uh, stick the ball in the onion bag this week. How are you, bud? You say Pompey finally scored, but the second best goal difference in the division, boy. So come on, let's not. That's because you don't, you don't concede. Well, because <laughs> you don't score. Well, you still got a score to have a goal difference, haven't you? But yeah, no, we're we're. I'm I'm happy, mate. I'm I'm not going to come here and gloat because it's a a good win against a side that will be up there, and it's that's all it is so far. So we're as Liam Manning quite rightly says, we're not getting too high, we're not getting too low. It was a fantastic day for Pompey yesterday, though. And we all knew, knew it would be a key result if we could get it going into the game. Wardy lobbied for it last week on the pod. Ben said the same. I said the same. I think you were probably in the same illusion. We did just that. 
torn apart second half. Can't wait to talk about it. I'm sure you've uh, watched bits of the game, watched bits of the video. Yeah, happy weekend, mate. But I appreciate I'm uh, a happy man surrounded by three slightly less happy men. So uh, I'll, I'll keep my happiness to myself for a little while, but I'll uh, be smiling through the hour for definite. Uh, and do you want to do your shout out of the week? Tom? Oh, absolutely. Got lined up? Well, I was going to give it to Logan because I still feel terrible for reading out one of his comments and then completely the missing the fact that it was actually his birthday and that he mentioned it. So <laughs> extra birthday mention for you. And he did say to me yesterday that he still thinks the Teal-Off is the best podcast going. So I think for that, we'll, uh, we'll give him an extra mention. There you go. Yeah, thanks, Logan. Uh, and happy birthday from all of us here at Teal-Off. I'm sure we won't forget next year, will we, Tom? No, we won't. Um... Right. In the diary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a little uh, a little reminder that this podcast is available on Patreon uh, and for the price of $4 a month you can gain access to video recordings of the pod as well as a load of other benefits that will be heading your way in the coming weeks and months. That works out to just $1 per pod which is tremendous value for money considering some of the faces that Ben pulls during recordings. Um, for more information head over to patreon.com forward slash that league one pod. Uh, also, please remember to like and subscribe to the, this podcast on your favourite podcasting platforms, uh, as me and the boys are very grateful for all of your support. Right, that's the boring bit over. We're going to get into some breaking news that, that broke this morning. Uh, ben, we're all looking at you here, mate, feel for you. Um, Fleetwood Town announced the sacking of, of Scott Brown uh, this morning. I think it was quarter past nine-ish time. Um, ben was still in bed by the by the looks of it. Um, ben, I'll come to you first, mate, since it's your your uh, your gaffer. What are your initial reactions? I know you've done a video on it, but but for the tea lovers who haven't been privy to to seeing that, what are your what are your reactions, mate? Well, I think I think that's already been played, hasn't it? Um, no, um, I think that. <laughs> oh yes, it has. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, <laughs> honestly, that 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 reaction was genuine, and I've a few people saying I think someone went, someone actually said to me on the coach yesterday on the way home. I've got a feeling you'll be making a video tomorrow morning about a particular manager being sacked. And then he said, oh, I think Scott Brown, I think you'll be making it about Scott Brown. And I went, I went not a chance. He won't go, you know, two weeks on the training ground. We'll go, you know, the lads can get back to basics. And although Charlton haven't been in great form, it's still Charlton, still got a good squad. They've still got Alfie May, you know, up front, who's a 25-goal season striker. And I think kind of, you, you kind of forget that you are playing Charlton. And we played Charlton, Derby, Bolton. In the three of the first six, look, you played Cambridge and Shrewsbury and Carlisle and the other three that you're saying you should beat or get seven points from. Well, I think, let's be honest, Carlisle, Cambridge and Shrewsbury will be saying the exact same when they play Fleetwood. So I was kind of in the illusion of, look, Scott Brown's sides have been hard to beat, but the the sometimes play not to lose rather than to win. And we started last season, if I remember rightly, I think we we didn't lose in the. Uh, I think I, I think we we lost the opening day, then we didn't uh, lose in the, like the next five or the next six, but we drew four of them, and uh, and we we drew a lot of games last season. I think in the end we drew sixteen games in Skybet League One, but a lot of them were. Well, I think we drew eleven up until Christmas, and th- th- we were up there for the most draws in the division. Obviously, I know Portsmouth drew a lot of games as well, didn't they? And it's frustrating drawing games of football because you don't feel happy and you don't feel sad. You just feel frustration, um, as you've been finding out, Tom. Um, sorry. Um, what no. is it today? <laughs> We're all just so bitter. We're all just so bitter. Yeah. That's the... We're all bitter that you've got a bit of money, you've got good owners, you've got a good manager, 
And you know, good evening, Mr. Eisner. Thanks yeah. for listening. Not this <laughs> my again, mate. my mate. Um, uh, so until, uh, until they lose next week, and then then it's all back to, all back where, to I'm go- where, where I'm going with it is this season we have lost games. That last season we nicked a draw, and I mean nick a draw. And so many games last season we weren't good enough in games, and I don't think we deserve to get anything. I think Portsmouth away, Lincoln away was one. Um, I'm looking at Ipswich where a deflection literally comes off about three players and ends up in the top corner. Plymouth away, we didn't create anything. We we come out of there with a nil-nil. And then against size, we, we, we should be beating. You know, no disrespect, your Exeters, um, Burton's, Oxford last season at home. They, they nicked a goal in the last minute. We just weren't good enough. And this season, I think that that little bit of fine luck or a bit of quality has gone against us and has gone against Scott Brown. And Tom, coming to you then um, on this, um, Scott Brown looked to have made some decent headway last year, got Fleetwood to finish 13th. And when you compare that to the year below, where they only got 40 points under um, Craney and only just stayed up on, on the final day, um, we looked to make making some good progress, but I suppose six defeats in all comps, you're not really surprised, are you, given the fact that Dean Holden's been sat the week before, right? Yeah, I've got uh, Fleetwood's game to, to talk through this weekend as I was uh, kindly given it. And the the, the thing that, that stands out for me, you're kind of between a rock and a hard place of this one from an outsider's perspective. And Ben can feel free to tell me that I'm completely wrong here. On one side, you're kind of thinking, well, where's the loyalty there? He worked wonders last season and, and they had one of the best finishes in quite a while in League One. But then the flip side of it is no manager should be safe after losing six on the bounce in all competitions anywhere in football. So whether that's a, a place where, you know, the, the relationship between the manager and, and the ownership and Pompey fans have felt that at times with previous administrations that, oh, they're never going to sack him or they need to pull the trigger. I feel like in this day and age, there's so much reaction in football, particularly in terms of a, a head coach or a manager, if it's not going particularly to plan. Ben was talking about there, they've got the two-week break. Would they have given Scott Brown the, the chance to get back to base, basics? Actually, if they can get themselves in order, get an appointment done as soon as possible, you've then got a couple of weeks for a new manager to come in and steal some ideas and and get ready to go after the international break. So I think that one's a double-edged sword. I I think, obviously, we've been privy to a lot of what Ben's feelings have been about this. And and I know he was saying before we started recording that he'd never really want to celebrate a manager getting sacked. But I think right now it's the best thing that could have happened to Fleetwood Town because they just looked like they were spiralling downwards. And actually, that I've kind of we'll, we'll get on to the the nitty gritty of the games later on. I know, but there was a point in Ben's video yesterday where he said he was enjoying watching Fleetwood Town play, and you haven't heard him say that since the start of the season, really. So I think there's. There's improvement in terms of, of a player-related thing, but I think that can then only be improved by the fact that there is now this fresh impetus for these players to impress the incoming head coach, manager, whoever it ends up being. I know we've got a couple of names that Ben might be able to draw attention to and we can discuss, but yeah, I feel like right time for Fleetwood needs a, a ship that was sinking that hopefully has been salvaged by. I don't, I'd like to ask Ben, who actually made the decision? Because obviously the owner's not around to discharge duty. So does it come from the board? Who, who made the call? Uh, well, I, I had a, was it, a you, was it? Oh, no, I, I rang Scott this morning and just said, look, <laughs> it's, not, it's not working, Scott. It's not, good enough. Um, it's not you, I it's would, me. I would just like to put on record my sincere thanks to JD Weatherspoons for their time with me and <laughs> As I step into this new role, um, no, um, the club is still in. 
Support Vale. Um, so the point is in safe hands um, at the moment. At the moment. <laughs> oh, great, I hate you. Stop looking at me, please. Um, the club, the club is in hands of of Steve Kerwood and Will Watt. Now, Will Watt and Steve Kerwood are directors. Will Watt's been at the football club now. I'd say eight years. Chris, Ker- um, let's keep going, in Matt. Um, Steve Kerwood's been at there a number of years and basically ran it when Andy Pilly was there. He did all. He's actually on the board of the EFL board of directors, actually. So. He, he is quite a well-up guy, an intelligent guy. Um, and his son, Jamie Pilly, that is literally two years older than me, um, is obviously into business. Obviously, they'll all be on a board together. And the club I haven't really disclosed it, but that, that's the feeling we're getting around the football club, that it is them three running. The club isn't for sale. Absolutely, that is a fact, according to according to Will Watt at the football club. So don't be coming at me if that's not true. Um so I think it'll be it'll be one of them, and that's what I mean. I thought it was very suspicious. If I'm honest with you, Andy Pilly will speak to will speak to them at least once a day, and I know for a fact that he's seen family and friends in the last week as well. Um, I, I still don't, I still don't have the fact that that Andy Pilly is not having anything to do with this football club. He, I know his money is uh, is Jamie's money, and obviously when you're a family, that it, it kind of the club will be alright financially. It's just being passed through as Jamie's money, but I still think Andy Pilly will be watching on his on his dodgy uh, iPhone stick in his in his cell. And I think honestly, I kind of think they would have got his opinion somewhat on the line. And um, there's there's a documentary that, that never got released. I don't know if they all if they all saw the trailer. I'm sure, many people did. Um, where Andy Pilly says that when Joey Barton was manager, football is a results driven business. If results aren't where they need to be. His manager and, the, and his team will live very much in the real world. And Scott Brown is living in the real world. First sacking as a manager and uh, only 52 league games to his belt and only 14 wins as well. 26.9%. I don't think that's quite working wonders, Tom. Mm, yeah, and, and all eyes then, Wardy, will be what's next for Fleetwood Town. And the name that, that was mentioned last night and, and obviously in our group chat and will be one of the favourites for the, for the bookies is... Carl Robinson, obviously, I think that's quite uh, Ben's quite uh, hopeful that that gets done. Obviously, as, a, as an Oxford fan, it's only right to turn to you about uh, Robbo and his time in charge at the Kassam. What would you would, would you suggest? Perhaps warn Fleetwood of, of going for Robinson, or would you say that would be a great appointment and they should get it done as soon as they possibly can? I can see why both parties want it. I can, I, I really do. I, I think, to be honest, what Robinson's going to do. And his first job is going to be really get those players fighting and get those players in the full understanding that they're in a dogfight and they need to get out of it as quickly as possible. And Robinson's got a good record of doing that. I don't know if you saw it. And of course, he went to Leeds as an assistant manager to, uh, to Allardyce after the sacking from Oxford. And you could, even though it was maybe for the cameras, he knew that pretty much all of Leeds games were being broadcasted. You could see he was very, very good at and definitely made a good point of getting those players to the fans and really building that connection. And right now, that's what Fleetwood need to do. They need to sort of really feel something between themselves and the players. And then hopefully sort of when that united nature does come about, you start then getting results. I think the two-week break is really beneficial for whoever it comes in, whether it's Robinson or not, because you've then got time. Say that it gets done, I mean, optimistically, Wednesday. You've then got Thursday, Friday. He might ask the players to come in Saturday, Sunday off. Then he's got the entire week. So that it's a really, really good opportunity for him. 
He's also then got Oxford. So if he did get appointed, he'd have Oxford United in his first game after the international break. And then you've got Burton, Leighton Orient and Cheltenham. Now, those are three games that really, on face value, are down there with Fleetwood right now, other than Leighton Orient to an extent. Um, more Burton and, and, uh, and Cheltenham. You get those two results you know, in, in the right place, down with sides that aren't having a great start to the season. And you start looking at Fleetwood's sort of campaign differently. And, and those are some really, really big games. He'll be, you know, Robinson will be really well up for the Oxford game. He didn't leave Oxford on good terms. Um, was that his fault partly? Yes. Was it Oxford's fault partly? I don't know. I think he was a big reason for the reason he got sacked. I know that sounds silly, but he took a lot of the blame. I think on reflection, he probably will take a lot of the blame. He's also due to come out very, very soon and give us a real explanation into some of the I've got to be careful because this, although this is a podcast that w- where we can be, you know, a little bit more uncensored and say what we want. There are still allegations in there that I, I don't feel comfortable in saying, but I, I will be honest and say that I think Robinson has still got to come out and, and sort of go a little bit of detail about some of the issues that led to him leaving other than the really bad results. I think the results on face value weren't good enough and deserved him, uh, deserved him to, to be sacked and, and lose his job after nearly four seasons, I think it was. He was there, he was there for a really long time. And of course, got us into the top six twice, got us to a playoff final once. So if you actually look at his record, I think someone was reading some of the the, the actual, uh, sort of, I guess, achievements at Oxford United. He got us um, some huge games in the Carabao Cup. We played West Ham, we played Man City twice, we beat West Ham 4-0. Uh, we played Newcastle, I believe, under his tenure as well, twice. I think it was. We played them away and at home. Brought them back to a replay. We've got regular 10,000 crowds, which for Oxford is a very, very good target. And he got that on a regular basis. And like I say, brought us to a playoff campaign. Highest points tally, I think, in the history um, of League One with Oxford. So you look at his actual achievements. He did very, very well. That last campaign, though, was an utter utter shambles. And the transfer window he was part of was an utter shambles as well. And then off the field issues didn't help him. So I've been intrigued by it. I think it's a good appointment. I wouldn't say it's a bad appointment for Fleetwood. Look, he had a bad time at Oxford, but I'm... I'm I'm comfortable in saying that, yeah, it, it ended badly with us, but he's got a point to prove. That's a big thing to say. Yeah, and Ben, finally, just just on it, obviously, we've mentioned Carl Robinson there. Um, any other names in the hat that you'd be really intrigued to see if they could get the job at Fleetwood and see what, what they could do with the, the Cod Army? Or is it purely hoping on, on Carl Robinson to, to head back to the Northwest? I, I, obviously, you've got to have different targets in your head. I don't think pinning your hopes on one man because obviously you're very likely to get disappointed. I'd love a Danny Cowell. Obviously, I think um, you know the gents at the end. I think as as people, you just warm to them. Um, he, he'd probably come to Fleetwood and go, "Oh, not another vlogging twat! I can't be bothered with this one." <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got out of LinkedIn for that. I got out of Porter for that. And then, then, then you'll think, right. Liam Manning's left. He's he's gone to manage the Premier League. I'll go to Oxford. And he thinks, oh, I have to deal with the other one now. I think he's going for a tour. Thankfully, I don't. I don't vlog it live though. I just rip him to shit after the games a day later. So that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 honestly, but the, the issue I have with with Danny Cowley was if say if he made the wrong sub, I just couldn't slaughter the man. I like him so much. He, he's just got that like smile, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm like, yeah, no. Um, now, Danny Cowley, I think, as a guy, as a person, he's good on the training ground as well. And if you don't know, Fleetwood Town have got a multi-million pound training ground, Category B uh, academy, young players at the football club that he can work with. Obviously, the ownership issues, I think, might rule that one out. And um, I would like maybe a Dean Holden. Fleetwood Town are very important on getting young players coming through the academy. I think we had something like, I think we had over 20 
uh, players made the debut yesterday. Uh, uh, not yesterday, uh, last season. That was a big match day squad, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I, I said we needed players. I, I think 20 is a bit short now. Um, Dean Olden will be perfect. Obviously, work with obviously you know young players before we, uh, before Charlton, and obviously work with young players at Charlton as well. A lot of 18, 19 year olds. So he's got obviously that. Would he come straight back into the game? You, you never know. Some managers like a bit of a break. Um, Darren Moore is unrealistic. I don't think he'd come. Duncan Ferguson uh, has been mentioned for me. No. Chris Beach is an interesting one. If you don't know about Chris Beach, he's basically a Fleetwood lad. He's a Fleetwood fan. Managed Carlisle, and he's a he's at AFC Far right now as um, head of football, I think. And he was at an under twenty ones game the other day. I wouldn't want him, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he got the job. He based, I think, if he was saved from Halifax, he wouldn't get the job. But because he's from Fleetwood, he'll be linked with it. And I bet you he'll he'll be in the top five favourites. Yeah, definitely interesting to see where Fleetwood are going to go. And obviously, with that game against Oxford after the international break, that could be uh, make interesting. T Lock Derby, that one. T Lock Derby, and manager Derby as well, and you manager Derby potentially. It could be the first. It will be the first T Lock Derby of the the new season. Um, right, that's enough on on Scott Brown. We're going to go on to to transfer deadline day. Obviously, um, all four of us were, were part of the the brilliant the two gents in the middle did an excellent stream on transfer deadline day on Friday. I want to say it was, wasn't it? Um, go and check that out. You've already. already. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've been asleep, mate. I mean, there's been a game of football since. Um, um, right then, Tom, we'll come to you. Obviously, transfer deadline day is is stereotypically a very big day in in football, just not just worldwide, but also in Skybet League One. Were there any sort of deals that were made on the day that that, that made you sit up and go, do you know what? I think he's going to do pretty well, and and try not to mention Tino if you can. Well, that wasn't actually done on the day, so that question wouldn't permit me to, Jake. So well worded, mate. Um, I would actually say the standout and these boys are going to, I'm sure we're going to discuss it, not at length, but we'll, we'll give it a couple of mentions, is perhaps a deal that didn't happen that maybe should have done or could have done. Um, Luke Armstrong a... to Wrexham. Oh, exactly. I mean, that, was. that would have been tremendous, wouldn't it? What about Ryan Hardy to Oxford? Yeah. That's yeah. another one that's been following us did, around did, for the last couple of transfers. Did he score windows. again yesterday for, for the championship? In my opinion, he scored. <laughs> yeah, well, he's subject to requirements, apparently. In my opinion, he <laughs> oh, scored sorry, as well. Sorry, Tom, transfers. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I, it was a rather um, embarrassing statement, I think, from Bristol Rovers early yeah. on uh, Saturday morning where they just basically went... We didn't do it in time, sorry. Um, and then, well, that's not exactly what it said, but it's kind of the gist that I got from reading it. It's all a little bit of a mess right now down there. Obviously, they started bulldozing in a way end without any planning permission. And, and now they've not been able to get the paperwork in line for a deal that they supposedly were working on all day and perhaps even uh, more than that. So, yeah. We're obviously talking about the Johnson Clark Harris move from Peterborough. Massively, I don't say massively because you never know the implications the other way around, but it probably played a part in how well Pompey did yesterday, yesterday, yesterday against Peterborough United. <laughs> yesterday. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, Christ. 
Yeah, when you want to say yesterday and against quickly, that sometimes mm. that can uh, it happens to me all the time. Normally, I can just edit it out on four error over it, but there'll be far too many. It little stays in. Cuts and it it stays does in. stay in. So yeah, I think that's obviously going to be disheartening. Um, bless him, Charlie was smiling all night on that transfer deadline day stream, and I can imagine he probably isn't smiling too much anymore about it. But yeah, I've, <laughs> uh, for, sorry, Charlie, if you're listening. Um, best of luck. Best of luck. Love T lot. <laughs> love, love, yeah, love from the Taylor. He, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think it's bizarre that uh, such a big move that was going to break their transfer deadline day, well, not just transfer deadline day move, but kind of, oh, go on, what is it not going to break the record? Have I got that wrong? No, no, no. I, I did. I, I think it probably will. Tell. I, I trust your fact on that. Have any of you listened to the Darren Ferguson interview after the game against Pompey in mm. detail? No. Speaking about that transfer. Go on. So he said that it was done at about six o'clock and that was that early. He said right. that the paperwork was sent in from Peterborough and exchanged with Peterborough and Bristol Rovers at nine o'clock to so three hours later. Now, we also got it wrong on the stream. I don't think there is an hour window that got taken out. That's only Premier League clubs. I think all paper did have to be done by 11, but between nine and 11 o'clock, the paperwork somehow never got signed. Now, Bristol Rovers have also come out with a statement yesterday saying that they submitted it at 11, it got rejected or whatever, and the EFL didn't approve the move. But the question mark will be, there's two sides to this story. Peterborough is saying that everything was submitted there and by nine. Bristol Rovers are saying that they submitted it at nine, 11 o'clock, sorry, around the deadline, the EFL rejected it. Now, what happened in those two hours? Because if you're a Bristol Rovers fan right now, you're thinking, now, you know, like Jake's joke to the start, I don't think they are done by fax machines anymore. There's probably something like an email that you could do. But, you know, what happened there? That's like sending an email and it coming back saying that's the wrong address. You know, but send it again. something really important as well. Like, it's not just a little yeah. bit of kind of go admin. It, after it's this, if big. anyone is interested in it, go and listen. It's on, I think, Posh TV. He does, like, obviously, his, his post-match to the game against Pompey. But then he does, a, I say, a five-minute segment, basically, really confused. He travelled with the squad to Portsmouth, got off the coach... Uh, whenever they got there, they travelled early in the morning and they got off the coach. He was still part of the squad. At six o'clock, he got a phone call from the chairman saying that everything had been agreed, £800,000 plus add-ons. And then there's a two-hour gap there and he still doesn't end up signing. I mean, if you're a player, like you if you're a Rovers fan, you're thinking, what did we do in those two hours? The question is, where does it leave Johnson Clark Harris, though? That's the big thing. Well, Dan Fulkin said that he is still going to be obviously integrated back into the team, but they signed you two strikers. Not, you, you, you can't, can't not, not integrate a 26 goal a season striker back into a team. That... But you've got two strikers. They got you got two. Yeah, exactly. He said his goodbyes to the to the fans, mm. well, to the fans sort of, but definitely the manager and to the, and to the players in in real life. And also, Posh signed two strikers. Mm. On, I know they got rid of one to Fleetwood, but they signed two. They signed um, the lad from Wakely. Chelsea, I completely forgot his name, and Wakely yeah. from Swindon. And as well, they've now got Clark Harris to integrate. I mean, look, they could have pulled out of one of those deals. We did hear that, but they decided to go and, and you know, complete both of them and keep Clark Harris. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I've, I think McCantin actually tweeted that if you want something to get done on time, there's a bit of a dig at Bristol Rovers. I think the lad this time from Swindon was on the Swindon team bus the hour that Posh actually signed him. So there's a little bit of a dig at Bristol Rovers from, from DMAC. Um, Nappers, we'll come to you. Fleetwood, obviously, a little bit busy on, on deadline day as well, quickly. Shamanga, that's how you pronounce it, mate. And uh, Javier Simons, formerly of Chelsea, who moved to, to Holland the summer as well. Um, what were your impressions on, on those two deals? Yeah, um, again, we needed a striker into the football club. Very interesting what Scott Brown actually came out and said yesterday about Jack Marriott. <laughs> 
it was something on the lines of, well, Jack is saying he's got a hamstring, whether he has or he hasn't right now, I don't really care. Um, he goes, he, his mind's not in the game, uh, but it has to be. Jack has asked me multiple times he wants to leave the football club. We told him he's not going absolutely anywhere. And that kind of made me think, well, if he doesn't want to play, get rid of him. And I said that three weeks ago. I went, I'd rather get rid of a player that doesn't want to be at a football club. So we needed and decent spot. money was on the table as well, Napa. You've got to remember that. Decent money was on the table. You know, it wasn't It wasn't like it, you know, he was a player that you probably get lucky to get a, just about a six-figure sum. This was somebody you could get what we reported to believe, whether it was from Oxford, Wrexham as well, where apparently there was interest. We're talking about half a million pounds there. You know, surely he just cashed that in. If we'd have said to you, well, 600 grand... I think Oxford would have gone, that's 100 grand, we really want to pay it. Jack Murray will score us 15, 20 goals this season, League One, you know, with Harris up front as well. Do we get him in? Oh, let's just do it. Let's just yeah, we, do it. We pulled out, it. we pulled out through the fact that you were just being stubborn. We didn't pull out due to financial issues. You said hey, not hey, to say it and we walked away. Exactly, bang on. And um... Negotiations on T-Lop, there we go. <laughs> I was. That's like, I'm not, I wasn't negotiating with Nappers, by the way. Yeah, that was. That <laughs> was you were. What we were. Yeah, Nappers, well, you're an idiot, mate. You should have sold him, shouldn't you? You know. <laughs> well, to be fair, my phone has just popped up. I am on Do Not Disturb right now, and the first uh, first thing it says is a text off of someone at the club. So I'm just saying, um, call me. You know, negotiate it, and let's get the deal done. <laughs> Hashtag uh, Don Deal to Nappers to Fleet. But here we go, as uh, I would say. If I got the Fleetwood job, a certain, uh, a certain uh, EFL journalist on his Patreon would probably say that I'm going to like Stranraer in Scotland to manage them, and you know, you know, look, try, you know, try and get it, try and get it right. I'm not going to mention names. But I think, I think you know, what I'm going on about. Um, no, but going back to the, the real subject, <laughs> Nixon. Of, um, yeah. Oh, he's bringing in two strikers. Oh, you know. In the window was always important. We did that. Um, in my eyes, we obviously we brought Graydon into the football club. Where obviously he's naturally a winger, but played up front. And Javier um, Simon's not really heard too much about him. But obviously got rave reviews from Hull, and they're disappointed to see him go. So again, they need to come in and hit the ground running. Finally, Wardy, Carl Edwards uh, joining alone from from Ipswich. I think not to upset Hancock, the Pompey fan. I think he wanted him to to, to sign in PO four. Come to come to Oxford looks a really astute signing, doesn't he? To to join the long list of, of players that have come to Oxford in the summer. Yeah, came on yesterday against um against Port Vale, and you know although we lost the game, you could tell you know you could tell a player straight away he's got quick feet, he's going to move the ball quickly. You sort of as soon as he got on the board, he was direct. Everything that we expected from him and heard from Ipswich fans, he's direct. He wants to get hold of the ball, he wants to drive at players in a direct way, and you can see why. I don't think it was just Hancock. I think it was quite a few Pompey fans that have been crying out for somebody that can maybe just take a player on and, you know, and it'll be trying instead of cutting inside and, and maybe dinking a ball in or try to play sideways a little bit passively. You could, you could argue, take a player on, take a fullback on a bit more of a traditional uh, winger sense. Um, but, you know, he was nearly part of a fantastic, you know, late uh, equaliser against Port Verde. Instead, he was part of a, an absolute heartbreaking debut. But either way, like you said, it's a bump in the road for for everybody involved and, of course, Edwards would have liked to have maybe got a better result on his debut, but straight away you can tell that he's going to be also as well. I believe he's out of contract in the summer as well, so it's not something. You know, if he does do well, um, I imagine there would be option to to make that a permanent deal. But straight away, we haven't seen enough of him yet. But what you can sort of see on the eye is a he's a direct, forward-thinking, traditional winger with great sort of pace, speed, and uh, I guess flair as well. Yeah, and to round off the, the T-Lock transfers, Lincoln signed Jack Vale on loan from, from Blackburn Rovers on a season on loan. Very was it him, was it? 
I thought it was going to be someone else. It wasn't Kieran Sadlier. It no, wasn't um, Kieran Sadlier. My sources, aka Cornell, was was incorrect. Um, <laughs> really, what, really what, right. No chance are you? Can I just say you are the like the, the, the T-Lot version of Alan Nixon. You are a chancer. Like, Absolutely. He's going to a Rotherham. He's done deal, mate. Just shut up. You don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Just, just be a good boy and put a dummy in it. <laughs> Can I, can I just say what one to look out for is Musquay, is it, that's gone to, to Exeter? From, I think he's a, a, a very good very good sign for, for Exeter. Mappers, you put in the face, but he's playing with a lot better players than he was at Fleetwood. Um, hey, right. Mendes Gomez, Warrington. Yeah. Warrington's played in Championship. Mendes Gomez at a top-end League One club. You sure? Uh, right, we're going to go into the weekend's action. We've held it off for, for 35 minutes or so. Um, first we thought it was going to be a shorter episode, didn't we? And yeah, we <laughs> oh, I love yeah. this podcast. Yeah, but it's great league one chat. That's what people want. I think was it someone the other day who said, "I don't like to about the, the, the games and the football side of it." You know, don't like that. <laughs> we prefer we prefer them just talking about random things. So maybe this is this could be all right. Oh, what's everyone have for lunch? No, I'm joking. Cereal. Um, <laughs> all sensations to put me on. <laughs> I'd say I'm proper banging. Um, right then, first game of the weekend we're going to go to in alphabetical order, just to. Uh, we're going to Good go off lad. the sofa score sent, I think, for now. Um, Blackpool 2, Wigan 1, Jordan Rhodes scored on his Blue Road debut. Nappers, I gave it to you, purely because I know you're a Blackpool fan at heart. Let us know what you thought uh, of the ongoing testament. I think, I think it's Wigan, mate, but, you know, come on the pitch. <laughs> uh, I think you got that one wrong. Blackpool average 32% possession, so again, it shows you they can win ugly, um, which is good, and Blackpool haven't done that recently, and when you don't win games and you're not scoring goals, it, it, it does hurt. And, you know, overall, I think they've not been too bad. Obviously, was it 3 0 nils in a row and a 3 0 defeat to a, a very good um, Lincoln side? But a draw away at extra, I think, is a very, very good result. And you've proven pivotal in the top of the league, aren't they? Um, a draw against Vale, I don't think it's bad. The draw against Orient, if you win one of them 1 0, all of a sudden, the other, the other game looks a good point, and you know that's the difference when you're drawing games of football. Much better, they had seven shots on target. Jordan Rose actually had five shots in the game, so it shows you they've got a striker now that will actually, you know, shoot and you know, have goes from, from different areas as well. They kind of change up the system, they have been playing a back three. I think they went to a back four by looking at it, um, and I kind of went, went two up front again with Rose and, and Beasley. Uh, Wigan again, they will obviously bounce back, obviously. To come back, I think it was an 89th minute equalised and Blackpool going to score in the 94th minute. Don't worry, Wigan fans, I've been there twice where Blackpool scored the last minute. Uh, winner against us to win 2-1. Kenny Dougal, um, the playoff hero just a few years ago. I'm sorry to bring that up, Jake. I, 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 he is a very good player and obviously he can add goals from that midfield, which Blackpool desperately um, needed as well. And a good result for Blackpool. First win in five games for them. Wigan again, um, got a couple of plays um, in, in the January, uh, in the summer transfer window, sorry, as well. And uh, we've been impressed with their business. Lost the last two games, but um, as soon as they can get up and running, the better. Yeah, always good for strikers to get off, off the mark on the home debut. And Jordan Rose took one away really nicely uh, to open his Blackpool account. Gave myself Bolton Derby because... I had the power, so fuck it, why not? Um, looked to be the game of the weekend. It most certainly lived up to the billion, I thought. Um, it was a game like a game of chess. Two football stars played really well. Um, Derby saw their early pressure rewarded with a penalty. I think it was Victor Adeboyeo um, and Callum Elder tossing in the area. It looked like he gave a goal kick for a start, but definitely a penalty from, from what I saw. Conor Hurahan stuck that away. 
seemed to wake Bolton up a little bit. Um, they then got their own penalty, uh, a foul from Corey Smith on Josh Sheehan. I think it was outside the box, personally. Um, I think it was a penalty. Did you, oh, you didn't think God. it was a penalty? I don't think well, it... When you make that challenge, though, you're asking the referee to make a call. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I think Charles Breakspear is one of the worst officials at this level. He get, you saw him gave nearly give the goal kick. The ball was actually in the back of the net for the first penalty, pretty mm. much. He blew, his, he blew his whistle before, no? If he'd let it play on, then that would have been... A, a, luckily, he did dispatch it. I, I think... I appreciate you give the referee a, a call to make. I think he's always looking to give the penalty there. Yeah, I, I think he's looking to try, possibly even it up a little bit. Yeah. And, that, and, and that shouldn't be the case for the no. EFL officials. But nonetheless, Dion Charles started home his fourth of the season for, for Bolton. Um, the game swung then on a, a decision from the referee, which perhaps was perhaps controversial as well. Uh, Joe Wildsmith, the judge to have handled outside the box. Oh, now that's a sending off, but... Yeah, well, no, yeah, but, but stills from, from after the game that I've seen on Twitter suggested that it hit him in the chest rather than on the arm. Um, it looked, it, the, the play looked to have, obviously the ref looked to have played on, but I think it's the liner that, that gave the decision ultimately. Joe Wildsmith came on, so Josh Vickers came uh, to try and rescue the day, but a deflected cross from Tyrese Fauna looped over him and into the net, which gave Bolton all three points. So, well, I just had to say, Jake, on that, I don't think Derby would... I, I thought Derby were terrible, to be yeah. honest. Mm. I, 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 they had one shot on target. <laughs> they were absolutely... They were so bad. And, you know, that was the, that was the penalty, wasn't it? So, I, I don't... I, you said it was a game of chess. It, it was in terms of what it should have been. In terms of the actual game itself, I think Bolton just... Uh, Bolton stormed them in terms of maybe not creativity-wise, but they'd never... I mean, Derby never had a, got a foothold in the game. I thought they were really bad. Um, and also, uh, Derby fans will blame the referee, and I've got to be careful because Derby are a football club that have got quite aggressive fans on social media, so I'll be careful what I say. But uh, Derby, they were, they, it wasn't... Those decisions... They weren't good before the calls were made. They weren't good before the red card. I've just watched that back. That's hit him in the stomach. It's not mm. hit him on the hand. Watch yeah. that clip. That's not a sending off. Talking but get, but even that, that target in the second half is poor when you're chasing the game. Yeah. And, and also, well, that, if you actually look at the entire clip for that red card, it was Bradley's mistake initially that stemmed yeah. from it. He tripped Agreed. over the ball. Bradley's been terrible, by the way, since he signed from Luton in the summer. He made multiple mistakes uh, so far this season. He stemmed from that. So whether it is a red card or not, I'm not saying that you should be given a red card for a mistake. But you've, again, it comes back to the same point. You're forcing the referee to make a decision by making that really silly individual mistake. I don't think that'll be very good. Um, and like I say, th th they will blame the refereeing. I don't think they deserve to win the game regardless of the refereeing decisions. Of course, it didn't help, but they weren't very good whatsoever. I, I think half an hour playing with 10 men, though, against Bolton is going to be a tough stretch for, for most teams. And had Derby had 11 on the pitch, they might have committed a few bodies. Well, they might have got a shot on target, yeah, maybe. They, they might have got another one on target. Right, Did you see the gonna... handball shout, by the way, for At Derby? The end. I don't the know end, when, when it was in the game, but that's a that's a blatant handball. In the, but I'm, and I'm not trying to go against Wardy saying that they deserved it anymore if the ref had been an actual decent level official, but... It, it it feels like a game that that's got a lot going on in it, and as you say, ten men is a is a difficult one. But uh, next up, little trip to Pride Park for Pompey. So hopefully we can capitalise on a, a bit of a poor poor day for Derby after in two poor, weeks time. Poor Wally, sticking with you then. Uh, Bristol Rovers one, Lincoln City one. Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I asked you before because I don't I don't like I'm I, I'm a little bit scared. Maybe you're saying certain things and then <laughs> them sort of coming back and be like, no, like basically what I did to you, Jake. Um, <laughs> No, I think 
if you actually look at the, the possession stats, you look at sort of the, who controlled the game, you would say Bristol Rovers were better at maybe controlling the game. But you look at the chances that were made, Lincoln definitely outplayed Bristol Rovers in terms of the quality of chances. I think they probably, I mean, I think the goalkeeper got man of the match, the Bristol Rovers keeper. So that does sort of show. I think when you look at man of the matches and, and players that do well, you don't really want it to be a goalkeeper a lot of the time. That does sort of suggest you're being pummeled a little bit um, from the opposition. And, and Cox wasn't, to be fair to him, he sort of, stepped up and I know Nappers have been quite vocal about his thoughts on Belgium recently um, and, and Cox has sort of stepped up and, and taken that place and in the end done a, done a fantastic job on, on the game you right Tom? Yeah Matty Cash has just scored an own goal carry on Oh, oh 2-0 though that's alright um, so yeah it's, it's difficult I think you know, and also as well Lincoln conceded again in the last minute what is, what is that is that a mentality thing is that a complacency thing is that concentration you sort of got to ask that question a little bit and uh, Jake might be able to sort of give us a bit of an insight into that but against Northampton it's a wry it was... smile no but... I'm not happy not, not happy because the, the two injury town goals were conceded if we hadn't conceded both of them we would be sat at the top of the league and that's the frustrating thing yeah but is that that, that yeah and that is a fact but what could also be a potential fact on your side of it is why you can see those last-minute goals. Whether the added time is there or not, I do feel as though you allowed the pressure a little bit. Whether the chances came with it, the, ch- you know, the, the pressure was you know, swaying towards Bristol Rovers on the home side of them trailing. I get that. But you've got to think, when it happens more than once, you've got to start asking the question, why is it that you're, you're conceding late on? Again, there's controversy behind the amount of time that was played against Northampton. I get that. And Bristol Rose as well. I don't know. It scored in the, in the fourth minute of injury time. So I don't know. Have you got problems no. about the injury time? No, on that? no, no. It was it was just the, the poor defender from the corner that I've got an issue with. So, so is it so is it is it just concentration? Is it is it complacency, I thinking think you've so. won the game? I, I think it's set pieces that have been our issue. We conceded two from set pieces against uh, Bolton on opening day obviously the one yesterday you also have the, the one at Northampton comes from a long throw in so I think clearly that we were about Paulie O'Connor who is our, our, our captain and probably no striker as well no striker but Paulie O'Connor is probably one of the better aerial defenders in the division in terms of heading the ball and kicking the ball away so without him clearly an issue but uh, but it, it's just a set piece and I think we we're one of the best teams for, for defending set pieces in the division last season and, and it, clearly it's not Coming to this season as of yet, so uh, disappointing. Um, Tom Burton nil Exeter one was your next game. Um, saw the Grecians go top of the table. What on earth is going on there? It's the Bournemouth Air Festival this weekend, so there are quite a few planes flying overhead. Um, luckily, not at Fratton Park. We Burton nil Exeter one. Uh, I, f- I feel like I get to watch Exeter on on a regular basis here on the T-Lop. I've been given the uh, the games. G- quite often and absolutely no complaints because they've been excellent to watch. Given the outcome at the CASAM, it means that Ryan Trevitt's goal takes the Grecians to the top of League One, as you said in the intro, Jake. And uh, this weekend, for, for, at least for Exeter, and with an XG, you know, we don't like XG and Wardy's are, well, you're all big XG fans and we try not to keep it on the T-lot, but uh, XG for the game of 0.6 to 0.96. It sounds like a scoreline that reflects the game pretty well. They didn't have a centre forward on the pitch from the off yesterday. We've spoken about uh, Admiral Musquay was a, a late, late arrival in the window. I'm waiting for a tut and an eye roll from the boys here. It was no non-bay, no problem for Exeter yesterday. Um, <laughs> no, novel, good- no problem, Ben. <laughs> Pay the money. Pay the money. That's a pay the money moment. Again, how many friends have we got now? 
I think it's 11 or 12, isn't it? Woody? You've got some, something exciting coming for you next week. There's, so. there's your dollar for your, uh, for your this. Well, we should, we should probably push that, shouldn't we? Telop Extra. Um, coming to your well, it's coming to I was gonna say coming to your ears, it's actually coming to your screens because to actually access it, you would have to uh, be an official tailopper. Um, but no, that should be should be fun. We've got some exciting plans that we actually have discussed. We don't we normally sort of say that and don't discuss that we actually have discussed them. And, and we're hopefully, do it, we? with the international break next week, you, you won't miss out. You might have paid your money, but you, you're still gonna get your, your one dollar an episode because we're still gonna have one next week. Get on it, tailop extra. It's still time, still got a week to, to subscribe to it. Still get time, round on it. Yeah. Get brown on it. <laughs> get brown on it. Also, I should say as well, Tom just said you, you got time. You can also, but you can buy it now and listen to the four other podcasts again. They do stay on now. Wow. Oh, so, well, that is just even so, better. So even if, you know, maybe you want to watch, the, maybe you sort of you want to reminisce on the opening day of the season, you know, buy it now. You can watch it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it's amazing how sort of technology is advancing in front of our eyes, isn't it? There you go. There's your clip, Wardy. That little bit, perfect. Another fantastic afternoon for Will Amerson, who, despite not scoring as he did last weekend, put in another captain's performance. I remember describing him as a captain who's performing incredibly well. Man of the match showing for him. Uh, Steve Seddon did a Joe Morrell and was shown a yellow, a second yellow late on. Other than Peterborough yesterday, I think extra up there for the top spot with one of the best sides I've seen live in the opening games. And, and that record points tally table position certainly backs that up back-to-back home games against Leighton Orient and Cheltenham to come a chance to extend what's been an impressive start to the season for the Grecians and, and last week Wardy coming back to you I think you sort of spoke about Carlisle Shrewsbury as a nothing game so <laughs> obviously you were the one that had to cover it this week purely because your attitude so go on Carlisle to Shrewsbury now talk us through it mate well no I, d- I don't mind getting these sort of games when it's not as bad as I maybe say they will be um Carl you got it spot first. on by the way in the prediction you got this one spot See, on I don't so, know how you did it and did I did I did I say it was a bad game and predict two goals I mean you know that is just well you take that as you see I'm I'm not all I'm not all grumpy um Carlisle two Shrewsbury Shrewsbury nil and also the first win of course for Carlisle this season Shrewsbury I wasn't convinced going into the season. They've had some decent results. They're just a bit inconsistent, aren't they, Shrewsbury? They're just a little bit inconsistent. They've won free, lost free. <laughs> They're just sort of a little bit really gain, not really gaining a, a good run, not really gaining rhythm. And I think when you look at what Shrewsbury want to get to, they stack Steve Cottrell maybe controversially. Maybe that could be a shout for, for Fleetwood. Would he go to Fleetwood? I don't know. That could be a potential potential name. Um, but he's out of work and controversially got sacked, you'd say, with a bit of a fallout, we think, to think, with the ownership over the summer. They have sort of, since they put in Matt Taylor this season, been a little bit up and down. But yesterday it was another down moment. Carlisle were, um, were, were pretty good, especially in that first half. Sort of did really get going. In terms of the actual game itself, second half wasn't fantastic. Very little chances for either side. You sort of say Shrewsbury last 20, 30 minutes edged it in terms of controlling the game, but didn't really sort of have any good chances at the end of it. And then Carlisle completely finished it off with a goal uh, by an ex-Fleetwood man. <laughs> Joe Garner scored in, in the sixth bit of injury time. So, yeah, one of those where Shrewsbury will be a bit frustrated that they had maybe the game in, in comeback reach with the sort of 30 minutes in the second half, but didn't really do much with the ball, couldn't create enough chances. And then, of course, that game was completely put to bed in the, in the last minute. But yeah, good result for Carlo. Really good result for Carlo. Shrewsbury, you know, up and down, up and down. It's another down yesterday for them. Yeah, see how Carlo will get on next week against Stevenage at the Lamex. Tom, um, Paul Planning's giving you the next two games to cover. So if you wouldn't oh. mind just touching on Cheltenham nil, Barnsley 2. And then perhaps offer us a little bit more detail uh, for Charlton 2, Fleetwood 1, if you don't mind. In terms of the game, because we obviously touched on the, the Scott Brown thing, I'm sure we'll link back into it. Aline Roberts actually kept the away side in it for, for Barnsley's 
win away early on. Some fantastic saves from him. Obviously, we're all wondering what the loss of Harry Eisted would mean for Barnsley moving forward. Looks like they've got an able replacement in Liam Roberts in goal. He's had an excellent start to the season. Barnsley had one ruled out for offside. Another was sort of uh, off the crossbar and then almost cleared off the line. Bit of a goal mouth scramble just before half time. And then just before the hour mark, Devante Cole opens the scoring. Outside shout for goal of the weekend this one. I know we've got that to come, but it's a perfectly executed counter-attack from defending a corner. First headers, one at the near post. Barnsley goes steaming up the other end. Two passes and it's into Devante to finish pass. Luke Southwood, cracking goal. Six and six for that man too. Very unlucky from Nicky Cadden off the post, whose man of the match performance was deserving of a goal yesterday. And to round it all off, deep into stoppage time, Max Waters to get to the byline, flash one across to Nestle nicely from one of the tightest of angles possible in the bottom left-hand corner. And it's a simple case for Barnsley, burying your opportunities and taking three points back home with you this weekend. And then on to Charlton 2, Fleetwood 1. Obviously, both sides now without a manager. A week ago, you were, well, a week ago now, you Maybe wouldn't have expected that from perhaps either end of the spectrum. Uh, obviously, we dominated the discussion about Scott Brown, so I'll just go into the game in a little more detail. And um, it was, as I said earlier, nice to see Nappers actually enjoying his football, uh, watching his team play early doors. That Stockley goal put them on the front foot. They were performing well. Alfie May gets him behind just before the half half time, um, just before half time, and it's a cool finish underneath Steve, Stephen McMullen. Real first time Charlton got anywhere near the Fleetwood net in that first half. It's very clever from Blackett Taylor to win the penalty. He knows he's getting to the ball first. He knocks it past his man. He stands his ground and goes down on the contact. Alfie May does what he does best and converts from the spot again underneath the keeper. And it sounds like he could have scored more than just those two yesterday. Ben, yeah, is that absolutely. a fair reflection for, in your eyes? I know you think uh, it's clear that Fleetwood played better yesterday, but progression perhaps? We played better, but Charlton were the better side in the game. That's what I'll say. Um, I said after 25 minutes on the clock, and I said, I went, I'm liking this because Charlton fans were booing. We hit the bar that went onto the line. It kind of went, we hit the post last week. We, if you remember rightly, we hit the post at the bar at Derby as well. Uh, I think we also had loads of chances at Bolton. So we've been in game. We've been all right. I just kind of went that little bit of luck that we were getting last season. We're not quite getting this season. And, and it, when you align on luck as a football fan or a football manager, you kind of think, well, he's here on his last legs. But we're six games in and kind of think, well, Carlisle, yeah, got a point. Cambridge didn't deserve anything. Bolton didn't deserve anything. But Derby should have got a point, realistically. Shrewsbury should have got a point, realistically, without the time. And, you know, yesterday, it's a mistake that's killed us. Probably should get a point. Now, if we're sat here on... Four points out of six. You've drawn all of a sudden three, maybe even four games out of the six when you lost two. Scott Brown's still in a job and probably doing a decent job from the because it's a difficult set of fixtures when you've got Charlton, Bolton, um, Derby County, and then you've got to go to New the Promote with Carlisle on the opening day, which I know they're not brilliant. They won yesterday. Well done to them. Um, um yeah, and it's been a difficult set of fixtures. So Alfie May was just brilliant yesterday. Um, again, he just runs in behind, and he's my favourite centre forward in the league because I love strikers that get in behind, and he does it so effectively as well. And his penalty was one of the worst penalties I've ever seen, but it does find a way through. Power straight down the middle, and um, he's worried about getting a goal. As soon as he got one, we knew he'd go on a goal-scoring record. That's four and three now for him, and it's looking like if he can go and score 25 goals for them this season, it'll only be £10,000 a goal. That. Could you know, Pete's you know, it could honestly that that that's quality. Lot, but, you know, that's what you got to think about it at the moment. He's he's averaging what, what 250, 
you know, around about 62, pounds a goal at the moment. So he needs to start scoring a few more. Mappers has had his calculator out this afternoon. I've, got, it, I've got a dartboard next to me. That keeps my that's done more for me than my maths teacher. <laughs> so, to be um, fair, my maths teacher has actually listened to one of these podcasts. So I'm, um, so, I'm so glad you read that content. That's going to make such an inappropriate joke. I'm so so glad. you that content. dartboard, your dartboard's done so much more for me <laughs> than my uh, your maths teacher. I oh, thought well, that is screaming out. Your dartboard and my maths teachers, you, you'd be happy to know they are both tea loppers. And do they look like a tea lopper? The dartboard does. To be fair, what was your maths teacher's name? Uh, Mrs. Pennington. Oh, hello, Ooh. Mrs. Pennington. Or she loves to have you with one, us. And one's actually called, um, he's a Blackpool fan, actually. He's called Mr. Woods. So if you're listening, Matt. Mr. Woods and Mrs. Pennington. They're not married, I presume. Is, is she related to Matthew Pennington by any chance, Ben? No, she's not a football fan. She just she just saw I was doing this and she thought, oh, I'll watch the first one. And oh, nice. She went, she went, I probably won't watch one again, but well done. Well, she still speaks, she still speaks with her. She came into my pub. Oh. That's nice. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, um, Orient nil, Steve is three, Ben, was your next game. I'm sorry you've had to wait a little bit to talk about a game of football that's positive. Um, talk us ah, through ah, ah, you're so funny. Are you, you going to tell us well, about what else to say? Right, anyway, we'll, we'll speak. Sorry. Well, where I, I'll See, start. Yeah, we play Port Vale. Uh, <laughs> don't start that again. No, we're not starting that again. So, um, so I'll start off with Orient. Four points from the first six isn't great. If you've got a point there, you're thinking five points isn't too bad, but to lose by... By to lose to three by three goals to nil, and they've been battered in a couple of home games now. Four nil written all over it against Portsmouth. Um, grow up, um, three nil um, <laughs> against, um, against Stevenage. But I think the credit has got to go to Stevenage for how good they've been. You know, they've been absolutely brilliant all season long. And 13 points from the first six games, winning four, drawing one, losing one. And look. They played Portsmouth in that run. They've obviously gone to Orient, who won League Two last season, who picked them um, to the League Two title as well. Look, this is a totally different um, Stevenage side. They've invested better. They've brought more players in. They've probably got more quality in now. Matt Neal, who signed on loan uh, from United. What a goal for the first one. Just a, a clever little flick. I think he'll add something they've not got already. Freeman, with, in my opinion, obviously, um, Tom will have his opinion of the day. And I'm sure he'll try and cram a Portsmouth goal for goal of the day if, uh, if he can. But Freeman, for me, was goal of the day. He literally, you know... Jay Morrell, player of the week. Yeah, 25 goals out, 25, really goals out, 25 yards out, and he literally off the bar and in. It was a, such a beautiful goal to watch as well, and a really, really good performance. And Stephen, it's the best ever start to an EFL season, so really well wow. done to Steve Evans and co. Rumoured with his job, I don't think he'll go anywhere. And the feel-good factor... See the, the uh, video of him doing from? the pun- punches at the away end? Oh, he, he, loves a good, he, he loves a good fist in just Steve. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, a great result with a great clean sheet. I don't think there's any clean sheets. Jeez, Steve Evans fist. Going <laughs> um, Absolutely. Ward, Ward, that was you're... massively inappropriate, but we'll take it. Warning, you'll make it. Well, um, Warning, Northampton 0, Wickham 1. Um, to conclude your games this week, how did you see it? 
I tell you what, I thought you were joking when I gave myself the good games and you were going to give me some of the shitters. I mean, this one, this one was like pretty <laughs> bad. Um, Wickham, though, winning in Gareth Ainsworth style. Of course, uh, Ainsworth no longer there. Bloomfield taken sort over. Sorted himself out um, as well, didn't he? Ainsworth at QPRs. Yeah, and to be fair, Bloomfield sorted himself out as well. They're winning games as well. And, you know, it's all worked out quite well in the end. At one point, like both of them, at one point, they were both going to lose their job. Mm. Um, but it looks it looks pretty good again now. But for Wickham and like you said, did they deserve to win? It's hard to sort of really argue that. I thought Northampton did have the better chances. They were pretty wasteful. They were dominant. Uh, Wickham scored really early. Five minutes, scored a corner header. Uh, but uh, it might be actually, I don't think it, is it <laughs> pretty sure it was a corner. I know it was a header. <laughs> uh, didn't actually see it, but I do know it was a header from um, Richard Coe. So, yeah, in terms of the game itself, what you saw? What you, what, 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 from, from Richard who? How do you pronounce it? Coe, Richard Keogh. Richard Keogh. Richard, Richard Keogh. I want to say it was a corner by Richard Keogh. Um, yeah, that's uh, the, the fifth minute he scored that. And then pretty much... Since then, they're on the back foot and, and Northampton, to be fair to them, they will be a little bit disappointed. Wickham, one shot on goal. Uh, again, they like I said, they, they won dirty. They, they won in, in Wickham style of, of maybe previous seasons under an ex-manager. But yeah, Northampton, they'd be frustrated by that because they, they, they probably should have got more from that game. At least a draw. They, they would argue just to say that they probably should have got more. But yeah, not a fantastic game of football in, in terms of things that, that happened as such. But Northampton, they'd be frustrated. Wickham... You know, they'll be over the moon that they've gone away from home and probably got yeah, a bit of a smash and grab, maybe. Yeah, and Nappers, teams like Port Vale going to top of the league, Exeter and uh, Exeter? Sorry, Oxford, wasn't it, at the time they were top of the league? Uh, going to Oxford, coming away with a two coming away with a two one win. Uh, Alfred Devine scoring in the 99th minute to win all three points. Nappers, please talk us through it in detail. Obviously, I thought at first this was a friendly game for next season because I thought this season was already done with Oxford being champions after five games. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one thing I will say is... This is the guy that's nearly bottom of the league with no manager and lost six in all competitions. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just call it evens on that. <laughs> all right, Roy, I'm back. He's going he's gonna to go and get our ex-manager that's... Oh, shit, and he said something then. He's going to go and get our ex-manager and, you know... Be careful. What is there issues I can't talk about? <laughs> all right, Wardy, you, you know. If I say it, lads, you can pay for the fucking lawsuit. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, I think when when you play Port Vale, you play by their rules. And they've, they've come into your stadium and they've got rides after you, really. And it's a game where a referee, unfortunately, is paid pivotal. And Harry's sending off. I've watched... Three, four sets of highlights. Different vloggers speak about it. Um, I speak. I sp- I've seen you know lots of in the know people and Wardy speak about it. Um, uh, and there's no one that knows about Harris is sending off. So I'm sure we will see it. Did anyone see it apart from the ref? If Someone he has and he, and he is violent, well, we're going to see footage because he'll get a bigger suspension, won't it? Because it is violent conduct. So mm. I, I, I think it'll. It'll either get reciprocated or it'll get along yeah. the band. So we oh, I've just remembered he's out for Fleetwood. So get in, um, and then um, they just didn't really hit the, the highs. Oxford obviously nine men at the end. Uh, Greg Lee hero to to villain wasn't it really scoring an equaliser, a really nice goal as well. And um, Portville winning it at the death through a penalty, which is um, 
you know, always controversial or last minute, 99th minute, Alfie Devine coming on, getting a getting a goal from the penalty spot and getting an assist on loan from Spurs, looking really impressive as well. Did you like think it was a pen, Ben? Yes, I did. I did. I thought he went round, he was gonna score a goal, he got tripped up similar to the Fleetwood one. He's just it, it, it'd be a free kick, wouldn't it, outside the box? And it's a penalty. Unfortunately, Lacavetti as well really impressed me um, since coming in. I'm loving the new chant. He eats spaghetti, he drinks Moretti, um, he hates the city. Really, um, really like that one. And um, scored 12 in 116 goals in Scotland for Ross County as well. And Port Vale really impressed me. 13 points from 18 um, available. Four wins and a draw in the last five. And they've beaten some really good sides, haven't they? And um, you know, Andy Crosby, manager of the month last month for me, and the side are just really stacked with quality and uh, how they've proven me and us all wrong. Well done to everyone involved in that football club and the feel-good factors there. And um, they've just got to keep taking game by game. I said Port Vale were absolutely fine, so don't drag me into that. I actually thought Port Vale were... Where did you put them, Wardy? Uh, I say did well. I think I got them... 17th or 18th, which is better than some people. People go on bottom. So I Where said 19th I for Port Vale. Yeah. 19th. You said 16th, 40. Did, did I see? Look. Ben Adam Ruben. 19th and Jakey Boy had them all. Maybe we won't make go there with that one. Let's I uh, will absolutely. I will I will say though, Port Vale, and I, I don't want it to sound sort of bitter, but there will be some some teams that will roll them over because I I don't you can't play like that in every game. That, that they played a really low block. And the problem is, and what you want to do in those sort of games is score early. If we scored that first goal, we would have won that game 2 or 3 nil because we would have then had to have, they would have had to play a different way that had yeah. to come at us. We conceded first. We were down to 10 men. I mean, like you say, anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Port Vale deserved to win the game. I'm not taking anything away from that. I will say, if you're playing a Bolton or a Derby and they score inside 15 minutes, Port Vale aren't coming back to win that game. You know, so that that's important. We... We, we couldn't break them down. It's the same story against Cambridge. We've got to improve on that. Derby, Barnsley, when they sort of came at us a little bit, we could pop them off. Carlisle, we just about got away with it. Um, Charlton weren't in a good moment. Again, it was a close game in the end, but I'd say we were better than Charlton. They weren't very good. But against Port Vale, it was a low block. Very, very difficult to break down. It was often 10 outfield players behind the ball. Um, and, and that was a real challenge. But conceding, you know, after, I mean, what, was it the 70th minute, I think we conceded the goal? Um, and then also down to 10 men at that point and then sort of fight and do everything to get a draw of it and then go down to, to nine men. Like it was it was a very, very disappointing afternoon. But like I say, I, I see it as a bump in the road. I don't, I don't see it as a disaster. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not, we're still in a position where, although we were joking last week about, and I was sort of laughing and joking and, and took the piss a little bit, we're in a position right now, whereas if you'd have told me that we're in this place after six games, I'd have fucking sat your hand off for it. You know, so it's not, it's not, a, I'm not, going to sort of sound like a, a bitter person that's lost a game at home to Port Vale. We might come back a little regret it, but we can't worry about that right now. We've just got to focus on on the next one. But, you know, to take, what, six, uh, four points, uh, sorry, four wins from six and, and beat Derby a lot, you know, you, you'd sort of just go, yeah, I, I'm content with that. And just quickly on that, Wardy, if I can jump in, Jake, if it had been a loss 11 versus 11 against Port Vale, that's a whole different ball game yeah. too in the end nine versus 11, isn't it? So I, I would say that is quite a crucial factor in it yesterday as well. Yeah, we couldn't break them down with, with 11 players. So breaking right. it down with 10 players and a striker, I mean, it was a disaster. And maybe with yeah. 11 players, you give it another go because that's actually quite an early red card. There's 60 minutes or what it was, 60 odd minutes for a red card. It's still 
yeah, with, with this day and age, added time, you look at that's another mm. nearly what? That's about 40 minutes of football. So, again, we were struggling with, with 11 players. I, the optimists in me would have said that we probably would have had that extra outlet because we were playing with no striker. Ruben Rodriguez was playing up front. And again, he's a fantastic player and can play up front. But then you lose the midfielder. You're asking McGuane and Bradigan to sort of not just sweep up from Port Vale, giving it a go with an extra man, but also try and create for, for Ruben. So, yeah, it was when you a red card is, is obviously a, a massive disadvantage, um, especially that early on in the game and especially against a side that are just going to sit and defend it and then also smelt mm. blood when we went down to. To, to a man down and obviously eventually two men down but like you say bumping the road go again against Fleetwood but the new manager bounce against Fleetwood so I don't I don't know anymore right well uh, we've prolonged it as long as we can we are going to have to talk about Portsmouth three Peterborough one um, I got I gave myself this game just wanted to see if I could get some pro- points in about Pompey um, I have got a nice little piece written about this game Tom so let go me on I'm ready for it I'm listening uh, I've got Posh looks set to make it two wins from Fratton Park in the space of four days and Ricky J Jones took advantage of some poor Pompey defending and slammed the ball home that's where the positives ended though for Posh as they appeared to sit back on their goal lead Pompey pulled part on the pressure after a poor opening spell with manager John Messina taking full blame in his post-match uh, presser for the poor start um, the host were level shortly before the half hour mark uh, as a delicious ball from Pompey Academy graduate Marlon Pack, head of Colby Bishop, who duly took off his magic hat to slam the ball into <laughs> the onion bag. Uh, a real element of get fucked was dished to a po- uh, posh defender as he got up to celebrate, something oh, yeah. even, even the neutral can admire. Uh, <laughs> the turnaround was complete before the halftime whistle had sounded as Critchlow made a complete hash brown of Gavin White's poor ball in. Uh, with the ball finally calling to Norris City Loney, Abu Kamara, who prodded the ball home. Pompey were flying two goals in five minutes. Crikey. Pompey went in search of a third to really kill the game. Uh, and after Joe Morell, yes, he actually got close to the goal. His header was deflected onto the crossbar by Kipriani. The ball fell for Christian Sadie, probably man of the match on the day. And his effort was tipped around the post acrobatically by the posh goalkeeper. The Blues huffed and puffed, blew the bloody doors down. And on the hour mark, the powerful cross from goalscorer Kamara was met, unfortunately, by Regan Poole, who put the ball <laughs> into an empty net. Uh, three points at Fratton for Pompey will be in the world good, heading into the international break. And then they can actually score a goal or two will help the residents of the island city sleep a little bit easier tonight. Tom, how was that? You that should really, beautiful. you should do some kind of journalism course, right. I think, mate. You really right. should. Um, yeah, bang on. I, I think that I won't speak too much about... Um, the game because you've hit the nail on the head, but Peter were an excellent side. And to be fair to them, there'll be a top end league one team coming at the end of the season. And Nappers is bang on. I give him a load of credit as I give you boys all credit because I think you know this league like the back of your hand. But when it's going Peter, Peterborough's way, they look excellent. When it's not, they fall to pieces. And that was case in point yesterday, especially uh, in big games. What I wanted to mention, and I appreciate we're, we're kicking on now and we've, we've still got a few more bits and pieces to do, but we spoke about identity for John Messino. A couple of remarks over his uh, question marks over his tactics, but I think he got it absolutely all spot on yesterday. Like the, the his return to well-executed substitution, starting Christian Sadie, who said, man of the match, best decision of the day for me. That bloke is outstanding. I'm so here for the passion and energy. And and for me, some of the best we've seen from Pompey this season, I, I come back to tactics. Zach Swanson, although yes, at fault for the first goal that we conceded, 
he was pushed up to play almost on the right wing and Gavin White tucked in a bit and gave us that little bit more attacking threat. And I think for a team devoid of all that cutting edge that we spoke about, these boys have been teasing me about for weeks, that really helped yesterday. So clever spot from the coaching team. Your mate Regan Paul and Connor Shotnessy also pushed up much higher. Regan was playing out of the wing for large parts. And as you've seen, the goal from uh, being inside the box says all you need to know. Fantastic day for him. I know we're going to bring up Morel, or I don't, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it. Beep, 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 beep. Well, it's going to get even worse now. You're all going to sit there and say, well, he's your best buddy or beep, 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 whatever. I know it happens to him a lot. And I know he said he's going to address the bookings and the sendings <laughs> off. But watching it back this morning, I don't actually think it's a second yellow. I think it's clumsy, but I don't think it's uh, I don't <laughs> think it's cynical. You no, he's not there you. Watch it again. Honestly, watch it again. He actually pulls out the challenge and John Messino came out afterwards and said he, he has no issues with that. And that might, that's a bit of a kind of quote that might go against him. But yeah, I'm sure he won't when you win 3-1. But if he'd have, you'd have had the 10 men, you'd draw the game. He'd be he, fucking fume with him. He said he doesn't mind him getting the red cards for the reasons like being unlucky as he is there. What he doesn't yeah, like that. is the... Passion, the, isn't it? Yeah, he de- well, he doesn't like the, the conduct ones. He doesn't like the, the physical ones. But when, when you're unlucky and you catch your man, when you're almost kind of pulling out and letting him run past you, it's I, I, I think it's clumsy more than anything. Put it this way, if he wasn't already on a yellow, would David Rock, who Jake knows full well is a terrible official, pulled out his second yellow? I think he knows Morel's history. He knows that he's always going to be spiky. And and I just think he's just waiting to give it to him. Um, Colby also should have had a couple of pens. And I I say berating a referee after we win 3-1, as you say. Luckily, Colby managed to get his goals. But I actually think Morel's unlucky on this occasion. But I am not at all defending the fact that he does get sent off so much. And would you believe it? Never sent off in his career, in his league career, up to playing for Pompey. And all of a sudden, I think it's four sendings off now, which... I, I, I don't know what's going on, but he, he does need to, to sort it out. I, I, I'm not on board with Pete Pompey dads on Facebook calling him a liability. He's not. He's a fantastic footballer, just needs to be available for when we can play him. He, I think so, some of the balls he can play are literally out of this world and a cut above this level. So for all his faults in, in terms of conduct at the minute, I think he more than makes up for it in his talent. That's, he's not a, he's not a liability when, when you win the game. I think... And I wouldn't agree with those sort of dads on Twitter, but I don't. Yeah, it's so it's about game state, isn't it? It's about game state. If that happens at a different point in the game, you could have cost us massively. You know, yeah. you, you cost the game. Whether, even when you make that check, he, he knows on a yellow card, the safest option probably don't make it. I, I know your instinct as a footballer when you're someone's running past you, you want to make that contact. You know, we've all played at a, a, a half decent level. When there's a player running past you, at half decent, at half level, we've a poor level, play football. <laughs> And we I played a game of one bounce once, and I got two bounce. <laughs> <laughs> but you sort of, when it, when a player does come across you, your instinct is to try and win the ball the best you can. He's got obviously you don't think he's caught him. Uh, he catches him, but he's clumsy. He doesn't go in to catch him. Is what I'm saying. And it's on the halfway line. It's so avoidable. It's just anyway. Yeah, but if you don't go into, doesn't <laughs> just because he didn't mean to do it. Doesn't mean it's not no, a card, but, is it? No, I I I just I I would have. Quite like him, <laughs> so I don't want to. Do uh, it. No, it's not. I'm not trying to defend him either. I no, just I know think you're wa- not, I know watching not. it in the cold light of day. I don't think it's a yellow card, and I don't think he would have given him one if he wasn't already on a yellow. I was really it's a foul. don't. Was it as a foul? I think it's a foul, but I don't think it's a yellow card. Yeah, maybe because again, it's, it's about where that is as well. I think you're right in saying was he you know, stopping a, a counter attack? No, not Marlon really. Pack deserves a yellow card, and he did. He got away with one. So 
Yeah, you maybe. boys won't have seen that, but that's a stone. That stone. Can you have a stone wall yellow? Anyway, yeah, we're talking far too much about Pompey. I'm not. Don't do myself any favors. But that's that's how I see it. Anyway, Jake, okay. boy, are you going to defend our little magic man, or are you just going to leave it all to me? Oh, have we seen it back? I, yeah, I have seen it back, and I can see why the referee gave a yellow card. Personally, yeah, it's it's a thing. I, I, I think I'm, it's a yellow card. It's a silly tackle to make, especially on a yellow. Also, well, by the way, Greg Lee's first yellow card for Oxford is the one of the best challenges you'll see in the in the whole weekend. It, it was in the offensive position. He literally wins it back. He gives the yellow card. The referee had a, a nightmare. And it, one of those refereeing games, you know, when they're trying to balance it out and they're going, oh, try and be consistent. But by being more consistent, they're actually being completely inconsistent. Bolton. Like, it was a, it was an absolute disaster for me. But look, not going back to referees. I don't like talking about that. I don't like sort of saying they influence, they influence outcomes, but I don't like saying they're sort of excuses for, for losing games. And thankfully, Joe Morales didn't influence the, the outcome of the game. They get to, I, I, just one more thing. Referees, and we I know we don't want to talk about it, they get to see it once. We get the benefit of watching yeah, it yeah. over and over and over and over. And, and, over and we get to see slow motion as well sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So, Should we be a bit more positive and focus on the of the week winners? Yes. Yeah, shall we, we shall. Right. Well, um, I, well, I'm, I'm result, aren't I? You are, Warden. That's where we're going to start, mate. Result of the week. Um, haven't picked it yet. Haven't picked it. Um, is, one, it, is it because you were at the, the result of the week yesterday? No. Oh! Uh, well, no. Uh, yeah, you make a you make a, a funny joke there, Jake. But um, <laughs> I would say Port Vale beating you know, Oxford United who were on good form coming into this one as a as a result of the week. Um, I'd say some standouts. I think Steve Ridge once again going anywhere and winning three 0 is a fantastic result. I'd say. Yeah, not some. I say to be fair, Charlton with them without a manager. I mean, that's a pretty decent result. I think not many people. You know, we don't get new manager bounce. Didn't have a new manager, but I guess a no manager bounce. Um, Exeter continuing going top of the table, beating Burton. That was um, that was good. Burton do look pretty rubbish at the moment, though. Um, Bolton beating Derby. I'm going for every result here right now, aren't I? <laughs> Other than this is my. You're now getting a bit of insight into my sort of word of sort of working out here. Pompey versus Peter Britt is a very good result. Is a very good result. Result of the week. I mean, we never actually had the discussion. Result of the week. Is it just the best? What is it? Just the, the just. What you kind of it? have to fa- factor in quite a lot, don't you? I think because the... I'd say Porter beating Peterborough three one is just as the same as Bolton beating Derby two one. Yep, I go with that. Like that. That's the sort of level of thing in it. It's two yeah, yeah. good sides we expect to be up there. And then I'd, I'd say Pompey's performance was better than than Bolton's. So that does sway it. I'd say yeah, Portsmouth very good. And again, if, if there if, isn't yeah, a standout runaway result of the weekend this week, there isn't a four. No, when you, when you beat Leighton Orient four 0 it was like it was a pretty obvious shout. I'd say that Portsmouth's result against Peterborough is very very similar to like you say Bolton versus Derby's, and actually arguably say Blackpool versus Wigan's. But mm-hmm. in terms of the winners of all of those games, Pompey were the best team out of those. So yeah, I, I'd give it Pompey. I thought they were I thought they were very very good, and we've been I mean the frat and faithful have been uh, sort of crying out for an attacking improvement and i've made by the way this is a bit of a cheeky plug i've made a very very interesting comparison between a certain pompey player and a current premier league footballer and to to find out who who that's going to be who that comparison is between go watch the roundup but i think pompey were fantastic i thought a certain individual was sublime as well it's not joe i gave you it's not joe but joe was good yeah you did jake and i'm between two i want to put Abu Kamara. I had to sell my car. Oh, to Abu Kamara. I, I was tempted because 
you got a goal and assist. There wasn't really many big, big performances this week. Obviously, we've seen in the Premier League with what was it two or three players that got at tricks? Well, there was three Haaland, Son, and Ferguson. But in FBL Son, come on. Oh, exactly. <clears throat> um, but and Haaland. In League One, I'm I'm sticking with it. And normally, when you can't see when the result and you kind of match with either a goal of the weekend or performer of the weekend, I'm going to go for Alfie Devine because he came off the bench with 20 minutes to go. You know, he's only just arrived at the football club, only his second appearance at the football club on loan, young player, and. Again, a brilliant assist, by the way. What a ball in that was for uh, Lakaviti. And then to score a penalty, I don't care how, you know, if it's a penalty, in the 99th minute, at one all at top of the league, the huge pressure. Obviously, there's no fans behind the goal because Hulk's only got the three stands. <laughs> uh, but you've still got next to you, yeah. That's not a dig because auction. I, like, I actually quite like auction on the the auction ground. That. But they have got free stands. We have got free stands, and we had to, all of the noise just sort of goes into a car park. But yeah, other than that, we've got yeah. great stands. But, but, but also, you've got the, you know the away faithful and Port Vale travel away. They're the most underrated fans in League One, in my opinion. Um, and you've got them to next year to win the game, and it was a brilliant penalty. So I'm going to go for Alfred Divine and uh, Abuka uh, Camera was. Uh, Definitely uh, in my running, but I'm going to go for Honourable mention. Yeah. Was that, sorry, was that player of the week? I'd say, did you say, did you say Christian Sadie as well? He's got to be player of the week, man. He was unbelievable. He, he was up there, but I'm going for Divine. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm not taking away your decision. I was just sort of saying I'd throw him in there as well. Yeah, don't Ball worry, mate. Uh, look, luckily, like Jake, it's my choice. So sit down and be a good boy. <laughs> yeah, <what have> you <laughs> picked him? It's my choice. It's my choice. Um, Tom, you got Tom, you got goal of the week. I know you were watching them all this morning. If you've not picked Adam Jackson's thirty-yard thunder strike from what two inches away from the goal line, you, you've got it wrong. Then what have you gone for? Thunder strike two inches yeah, away. From it, the yeah, goal. In, in his post-match um, interview after the game, Adam Jackson said he scored an overhead kick. He actually scored from two yards out. Carry on. Oh right, okay. Well, Adam, if you're listening, um, we all saw that, mate. Um, He's not. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two. He's probably not. There's two for me. There, I really like the Devante Cole goal for Barnsley. That's more of a kind of a group effort counter attack that works perfectly well, and it just all kind of clicks. Um, I will go for Nick Freeman though. It's a fantastic hit for Stevenage for the third, his first goal in eleven months. Would you believe? And what a strike it was! Do you remember the England game where it hit the crossbar and bounced down, and then the keeper grabbed it, and there was no goal line Lampard technology? Yeah. Reminded me a little bit like that. Luckily, that one was given from a Stevenage point of view, and and that will always upset me that that England goal wasn't uh, clearly, obviously, over the line, but was never given. So uh, yeah, rest in peace that one. But. Fantastic goal, Nick Freeman. Uh, I, I just Lampard think he's alive, mate. Oh, right. You mean oh. in terms of the yeah? <laughs> I, I fully appreciate Lampard's alive, but rest in the the moment, the goal oh, itself right. never happened and should have done. Freaking but yeah, I'd go, Lampard's dead. <laughs> I'd, go, I'd go Nick Freeman, goal of the week. Um, yeah, just a, a sublime hit and something that we. Uh, we seem to get every week in League One, don't we? We tend to get one that just stands out and you go, wow, that's a real... Is it that with a foot like a traction engine? <laughs> Into the onion bag. Into the onion bag. Uh, for Gaffer of the Week, and I have got Ben's approval for this, I have gone for, for Crosby at Port Vale. Um, I, I think good it's old very, Gary. I think it's a, yeah, good old Gary Crosby. It's a great shout. Let's go to Oxford and, uh, and win. Some of them 
some plonkers have finished them to get relegated this year and for them to react the way they have after losing to Barnes. I think it's the whole collective, maybe not just this week, but perhaps the whole month. Andy Crosby should perhaps be manage, manager of the month, but certainly this week after winning away at Oxford, he has to win the award. Yes, Ben. Uh, right, we're going to go on. News. I've just put the trackies on that I've not worn for about three weeks. Just found a £5 note in it, so that'll do me. Ding, dang, do. Off to the shops I go. That'll get you a Fleetwood ticket next week. Oh, you know what that £5 can do? And this is honestly off the chain. Go and get yourself a Patreon membership to That League One podcast where we'll have an exclusive. Now, week up, we're still recording a really exclusive video. You can see our faces. Honestly, join the gang in and pay for maybe our Wembley trip at the end of the year if we go to the League One playoffs. So, if you want to see that, Get your money out and, and get, get your five as well. We might even give you a quid change. Okay. How are we going to do that? <laughs> bank transfer. Oh, we could. Okay, well, bank transfer. Anyway, can, can I just add on that one? Someone came up to me the other day, it wasn't Logan, yesterday, and had an idea, an in person idea for our um, forfeit for the. Oh, for fuck's sake. For yeah. the whole. who Basically, for me to do. Um, seeing <laughs> went as, away. Not a Wembley way. Well, the forfeit, it was quite a boring one, but I quite like the idea of it. She said, um, why don't you know when you do your food-related episode where you all get a takeaway at the end of the season, why doesn't the loser of the score predictions pay for all the food that everyone yeah. has to... I suggested that about two months ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that, that suggestion was one of the first suggestions we ever had. So that's oh, well, there we go. Yeah, so we've had it twice content. now. We've had it twice. There you Thank go. Thank you for listening, and I appreciate your support, but... Your idea, Nick and Little. Come yeah. on. So, Tom's got yeah. deep pockets. Um, Trevor, oh, and on that note, let's look at the scores. Look, yeah, yeah. Look, look at the scores. Um, the scores on the what? On the bloody doors. Now, that series lasts you well, didn't it? On your <laughs> go <and> subscribe <laughs> for no videos. Uh, right. It was a cracking week for Wardy this week as he collected a whopping 15 points with four correct wow. scorelines, which that has shook up the table. Less can be said for Nappers and Tom, who picked up three and four points respectively, with neither getting a correct score for the first time this year. I collected eight points, two correct scores. 15 points? Fuck it up. I must stress that this had been collected before the Cambridge versus running game on Monday evening, where we still could Ooh. see the movement in the table. Wow. Um, so, to go from bottom upwards, and we know what's coming first. Uh, fourth, Tom, 35 points this season so far. Ben is in third with 42. Myself in second with 45. Uh, following an excellent week for Wardy, bar his team losing on home turf in the 99th minute by a penalty, it comes the first team opper to hit 50 points this season. So wow. Well the Wardies. Correct scores were Bolton versus Derby, Burton Exeter, Carlisle Shrewsbury and Cheltenham against Barnsley. Um, uh, what, what's the gap between mine and second? Uh, five, Wardy. That's a nice cushion. A nice cushion. Tell you what, don't, don't worry, lad, because his team had the top of the league last week. They'll, they'll, drop, they'll drop inside playoff next week. It's fine. <laughs> fine, don't worry. Don't uh, drop. To be fair, we have got a reduced game week uh, this week, unfortunately, with international call-ups, etc. We have lost the majority of our games. So the two that are taking place, Exeter versus Leighton Orient at SJP and also Stevenage against Carlisle. Um, we're going to start with you then, Nappers. We'll start with Exeter, as they are top of the league, hosting Leighton Orient off the back of a 3-0 confidence from Stevenage. What do you think? 
I think Exeter will win. I, I just anywhere any if they play at St James's Park, normally against any opposition, I fancy them that they're going to get something, whether it's a draw or a win. I think it'd be tight, but a two-one win for the Grecians. Yeah, impressed, impressed by Exeter. Uh, I think they're going to. Going to, well, they'll have a bit of a cushion at the top, won't they? Because no other teams playing really sort of threatening them. So I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2 0. I was going to go for a 3 0 extra. I think on, on a day where you're fit and firing, teams can actually put quite a lot past Leighton Orient and extra are a team that very much on a roll, aren't they? So yeah, 3 0 to the Grecians for me. Yeah, based on the fact that Wardy himself is on a roll, I'm going to go for 2 0 to Exeter. Um, right then, final game of the game week. Uh, that was quick. It was, yeah, yeah. Do you know, what? imagine if we had twelve games to do, one hour twenty. Oh, well, we've got a bit to cut out. We've got, we've got bits to cut out. We probably might get this down to an hour and twenty, maybe. Yeah, sort of like an hour and twenty-seven minutes. Um, right then, uh, Stevenage against Carlisle. Ben, quickly. One 0 Stevenage. I just fancy them at home, and I think they'll, they'll nick and they know how to keep a clean sheet. They know how to win games of football in sixteen points from seven games, and they would if Exeter don't get anything, or if they do win, they'll go into the top two, won't they? Yeah, they would. I don't know, sorry, I've asked him a question there. That's my prediction, isn't it? Um, um yeah, I, I back Stevenage. I think right now they're in a really good place, and they look. Re- I think they'll keep a clean sheet. I'll say that. I'm going to say one 0 as well. So you say one 0 as well, Nap, isn't you? Yeah. Yes. Two one nils this end. I'm gonna make it three one nils. I did have it written down before you started opening your mouths. I'm not just copying some bottom of the league. But yeah, I think it's Stephen is strike me as a team and a side that will be able to score and then be able to hold on to that and not have to do too much from an offensive point of view against a not fantastic Carlisle side. So yeah, one nil narrow one for me. Yeah, I, I think you're underestimating Carlisle a little bit. I'm you still going to go for a, a Stevenage win, but the fact they've just beaten Shrewsbury too, you know, there was a bit of afters in the Carlisle game. I don't know if you saw it with Morgan Feeney. And, and yes, went up, to his, really... uh, went up to the manager, didn't he? I, I, I think it, um, Paul Simpson said Feeney expects us to roll the red carpet out for him, which was which was pretty funny. But um, I, I think Carlisle are, are going to hit a bit of fall. I don't think they're going to win on Saturday, but I think they'll certainly be, more, be a bit more positive as what they have been. In recent weeks, I'm going to go for Stevenage to Carlisle one, um, and that does wrap up this episode of Tea Lot, boys. It's been a eventful and emotional journey from the beginning to the end. Um, has anybody got any final words before we uh, before we dip? I'm going to enjoy editing this. I suppose there's no full pod next week, is there? There's only the extra, so this lengthy episode makes up for the two week break in coming. I suppose. So thank you for listening. Unless you pay your money, you still get even more. Well, absolutely, and have a good couple of weeks, and we'll be yeah. back. Bigger we'll be and better than ever. Well, we will. Enjoy the international break. Uh, I'm sure we we all won't, unless you are a fan of the four teams that are playing. Uh, but like we said earlier, please do make sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. It would be much appreciated by myself and the fellow tea offers that you can see slash here. Um, but until next week, we'll see you later. Take care.